1: NY or Text Hope NY in New York.
2: Why take 1 vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
1: Free is our favorite word. Huh. Like free refills. At Morgan & Morgan, our <laughs> fee is free. You don't pay anything unless we win your case. Injured? Call Morgan & Morgan, forthepeople.com. It's free! Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! dot.
0: Welcome into Eleven Personnel. Nick Roush here with Adam Luckett. It's a busy time of the year, so we're not going to waste any of your time. We're going to get right to the Kentucky football news of the day and what happened over the weekend. Uh, hey, the Cats are ranked. Luckett, you ever seen that before? <laughs>
3: yeah, it's been a long time. I think he pulled it up today. Um, our crack research uh, lead over there at KSR, first time preseason coaches poll. Coaches poll, I don't think it's been a long round for. Super Dang. duper long. Early '90s, late '80s, something like that. AP poll, I believe, comes out next week. Nick, Kentucky mm-hmm. hasn't been a preseason '1978. Now there was a poll in the COVID year, but there was two of them. Um, they had their original one, and then they had the adjusted one. Kentucky made the adjusted one. If you remember when they played Auburn, they did have a number by their name. Oh. There, but but the priest, the official preseason one, they were not oh. in. Right, because the so Big this will be teams the, weren't playing right. yet and all that sort of they stuff. They pulled but. all the Big Ten and Pac-12 out, and then yeah. um, they decided to join the party late there after originally canceling the season. So, yeah, this will be the first time Kentucky, if they make the AP poll. I mean, it'll, it's probably going to be a close call. But, yeah, it yeah. could be the first time since 1978, Nick, that Kentucky's in a preseason top 25 poll. And then, obviously, coaches poll now. But the mm-hmm. official
0: one could be the first time since 1978. So you love to see it. That was good news. That came on the heels of a little bit of bad news. Surprising timing news because Joel Williams um, on threes, Matt reports that Joel Williams has entered the transfer portal. A guy who we had our eyes on out at open practice who was expected to compete for a big role on the UK defense this fall. Vito Tisdale went out with a season ending injury during spring practice we even really no nickelbacks there aside from Williams who he was a part of that uh the Lexington 6 as they called yeah. it who had to miss a lot of time last year uh because of that 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 frat party fight in the off season so he he was a little behind the eight ball as far as reps go but it was his job for the taking to be that nickel guy um competing alongside Texas State uh transfer Zion Childress and Alex Afari, well, I, could, I actually kind of laid the rest off from him at, at practice on Saturday.
3: Yeah, this was – we talked about this. It was a make-it-or-break-it type year uh, for Joel Williams. And we got our answer pretty soon.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, He's yeah. out of here. Um, signs maybe tell you that maybe it's – you've seen a lot from – maybe maybe they've seen a lot from Zion Childress, and I think Alex Safari is kind of mm-hmm. – playing in there um and then kobe albert is a guy i think they wanted to get to look there at kind of that nickel spot as well so i think you know we heard mark stoops talk about how they need more coverage ability at that nickel position We mm-hmm. need more guys who can man up and play sticky coverage and so i think you maybe see more corner type traits maybe go into that position um and i think you could see um, zion Childress for sure holding it down um there, I think that's a likely answer, but I also think you know you could see Alex Afari, he's working with corner right now here in the next week or so, maybe get shifted over and getting him some long looks there at that nickel spot. But I think overall the depth wise, I think it's a hit a little bit, right? Yeah, but right they are versatile in that back end. Uh in a pinch, they could slide Jalen Geiger down. Yeah. There to well, play that spot. They could play Zion Childress there. If Jordan Lovett's ready to play big snaps at that free safety spot, I don't think they would have any issues maybe sliding Geiger down. And you got, you know, you landed Zion Childress there for a reason from Texas State, beat out Washington in TCU. So, I'm not super surprised that Joe Williams, like, ultimately ended in the portal, but it is a little bit of a surprise that it happened this early.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially because he was, he was playing real aggressively, a big physical guy who could help and run support. You know, it was a big recruiting
3: win there for Kentucky. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, we can go
3: back a few years, but his tape was as good as anyone's. And Fourth he had guard. a ton of physical skills. Mm-hmm. Just the tran- translating all that to the yeah. SEC and that Kentucky just just never really hit for him.
0: Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that uh, Kentucky is not going to be dipping its toes in Louisiana anymore. It just doesn't feel like a culture fit uh, with those guys. Uh, is as much as you appreciate uh, Dare Rosenthal's one year starting and boss man fats like they 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 put up yeah. numbers, but it feels like there was a I'm it, it just. The, the Mark Soups culture with the Louisiana kind of players first mindset, it just doesn't seem to, yeah. to job You know, Monty
3: Gilmore didn't last long. Who else was in
0: there uh, from Louisiana
3: that did? There was another one I think that got out of here pretty fast, but yeah, um, I think you're on to something there. Uh, yeah. Kind of similar to South Florida, um, but I think you're kind of maybe seeing them go into areas where they've had more success, like in mm-hmm. Central Florida, I think. They've pulled out a lot of guys from there. They just landed Jeremiah Anglin, who we've talked mm-hmm. about. Um, yep. Go to the KSR YouTube feed. Um, there's a rapid reaction of his commitment. Yep. Um, getting into that Central Florida, you're talking about like that I-4 quarter to Orlando, to Tampa, and everywhere in between. Lakeland's a big area there. Kenneth Horsey, Jeff Bidette, Garrett Johnson, Blake McClain, mm-hmm. Nick H- not Nick Haynes. Um, there was another lineman in there. It's escaping me. But all those guys have come in and really been quality players for Kentucky. Uh, with Mike Stoops. They hosted a bunch of Orlando twenty twenty four kids at a camp this year. I think you're about to see that become a, a bigger area. So yeah, Louisiana might be out. South Florida we know has been out for a little bit, but I think Central Florida is an area that you could see them try to get into more.
0: Yeah, so Joe Williams taking his talents into the transfer portal, the second early transfer portal edition for the Wildcats this summer. Uh, we need to get in and talk to about the upcoming or not not the upcoming, but the practice from Saturday. We'll talk about some of those players, Alex, Afari, and more. But first, I do need to tell you that today's 11 personnel is brought to you by our friends at Louisville City FC. Fill up the fam. Fill the fam. That's Lynn Family Stadium. August 13th, Louisville City FC. They're taking on the Tampa Bay Rowdies at 730. Fans are encouraged to black out Lynn Family Stadium for this important matchup. They've got post-game fireworks. Free T-shirts, fan clapper giveaway, and listen to this. all. this is right up your alley. Two dollar beers before seven PM. Oh yeah, oh yeah. we well, the ORL uh, and Family Stadium.
3: Sticking with the city's culture here, uh, cheap beers um, and a
0: blackout theme. For <laughs> fans. Right really? up. They
3: know they know who their fan base is there.
0: So fill up the fan this Friday, August thirteenth, Louisville <laughs> City FC versus Tampa Bay Rowdies. We have a link on the website on KentuckySportsRadio.com. Check out the link to this show for discounted tickets to go watch Louisville City FC. Fill the fam. All right. On to Saturday's open practice. Look, well, it was a rough day for the offense. And of all the times I've i have spoken with Vol Evis after uh, a little post-practice, he, he was a little, uh, he was not happy. He was not happy, to say the least. Um, the, the offense just wasn't clicking on all cylinders out at Kentucky Football Fan Day. Yeah, it was a it was a rough day. I think Nick, I pulled up our notes and our
3: posts from open practice in the spring that we saw.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It was kind of the same song and dance. Um, it was really the intermediate passing game having some issues. Uh, it's not totally fair to judge Kentucky offense because running the ball downhill and punching you in the face is going to be a big part of what they do. Mm-hmm. And you weren't they, you know, they, they had a little run drill, but. Uh, they're not tackling. Ta- it's, well, it's tap off. You can't. Yeah. You know, you're not taking people to the ground, so it's block. And then my my offensive background coming out here, but it's a very defensive heavy drill. So like, <laughs> it's going to look like they're going to win more than not. Right. But um, but I think you wanted to see. You do to You do want to see more like sharpness, like right, with Levis. You wanted to see. Like you feel. You would feel better about yourself if um, the offense just gave it to the defense. I think because we think the the strength of this team can be the offense. We know that the offense has, and I think we're going to get into this, Nick, just the depth of the entire roster. I just think it's outside of quarterback is really, really good. I mean, I think everywhere, even at tackle, you can talk yourself into them if what those starters hit. Um, So I think the depth and the kind of the running back tight end problems, I think they could give defenses. I think there's a lot of young talent at receiver. Offensively, there's a lot there, but I think we need to, realize it's a lot of new and moving parts Isaiah Cummings who we think can be a big part of this offense I you know he didn't play in the spring mm-hmm. Ramon Jefferson's brand new um, there's the weird situation with Chris Rodriguez um, so you got all the all these different things going on and you look on the other side that defense has a bunch of super seniors and a bunch of guys that have played a lot of snaps they probably should be ahead right now I think defensively, I worry a little bit about the star power, uh, like what is the ceiling? But I think it's got it's going to be a very, very high floor group. Um, like last year against Florida, Kentucky defense dominated that game and won the game. I don't know if this defense can do that, mm-hmm. um, but the floor of that defense we saw was pretty low when a couple injuries happened and their secondary was a huge issue. I think they've really, really raised the floor with some of these additions. Yeah, I just don't know how high the ceiling is, but I know you know what you're going to get with a defense, and I think you could feel pretty good about what they are after practice. After the practice, we saw the one practice, but the offense,
0: yeah, I mean, they have room for growth, but
3: they, that but there's a lot of room to grow into. They, they, they've got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what you expect too, you know, first day with shoulder pads, shells on, you know, this, as you said, like there's, there's a lot of young, new pieces. You would expect them to be at behind at this point, and Mark Stoops said as much. Um, You know, Will Levis was like, I, I mean, I need to challenge my receivers to go out and make plays, but there's also a fine line. You know, you see Tyree Spierbury picking off uh, a, a tip ball. Like, there's a, there's a fine line between good decision making and trying to force some action. But you know what? I, yeah, I have zero long term concerns. It's first day. Uh, of, of shells yeah. out there, you know. Well, and wait, they and we should have some growing pains. We don't know the script either. It could be Rich is telling him, "You need to throw the ball." I don't care
3: about interceptions today. You mm-hmm. need to read so he can know where his eyes are going or whatnot. Because um, what him scrambling and running doesn't nobody good there. Um, with yeah, some of those yeah. drills. Um, well, and you got and you got different pieces you're trying to get involved. Touches like they they are scheming up stuff for Barry and Brown already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got all these guys at tight end, you're probably trying to get reps. It's just a lot of and then you got the situation at running back where you get Chris some reps. You don't want to get him a ton of reps. You're trying mm-hmm. to see what Ramon Jefferson has, um, and all of that. So um it was really kind of a junky kind of period there. But I think, you know, this week is really important. You kind of, you'll start to settle in and figure out who you are, and then you've got the big yeah. first scrimmage coming up this Saturday, the thirteenth. Um so that's well, really that's really what you want to hear and want to see them merely take some steps forward, but it's just, you don't want to overreact to one practice. Right.
0: Right. Right. And I, and one silver lining that a lot of fans missed because the rain came rolling in, it rained real hard. Uh, the team moved indoors for the final 15 minutes of practice and that's, that's where things, let's say got lighter, but, um, you know, will just went exclusively shotgun. They didn't do any under center stuff in the indoor facility. And the intermediate passing he did look a lot better. There's a lot of stuff like that. Dane Key catch right there going across the middle of the field, Tavian Robinson. Um, where they did look like they had cleaned some of the stuff up. But in and, and that's how camp works. There's a little give, there's a little take. But I will say, with that, we did learn um of one of the good problems that this Kentucky football offense does have. Rich Scangarello has a lot of running backs, a lot of good ones. And on my radio show this morning, our intern, intern Jacob asked me. So who's, who's the second running back? And it's like, man, that's going to – I don't think we'll know the answer to that question until they go to Ole Miss in October. Because yeah. they're um, really Le, – Levis said this is the deepest running back room I've ever been a part of. And I, 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 I can see why. Because you have three, at least three, maybe four guys behind Chris Rodriguez that you'd feel comfortable putting into the football game. Yeah. Uh, I think thing it's going
3: to be really hard to get it around. Ramon Jefferson has 3,999 rushing yards in his career. Averaged over six yards per rush. Um, Is familiar with this scheme, the wide zone scheme. He was very good as a receiver and in pass protection at Sam Houston State. It's a step up, but like Sam Houston State, he won a national championship there, and they were number one going into the playoffs last year in 2021. So he's played, and then when he was at Maine, they won a conference championship and went to the semifinals. So like, He's played in big games. And, mm-hmm. you know, the speed of the game and all that, it's gonna, you're going to have to get used to. But, like, him, seeing him out there in practice four and the way, the way he was moving, uh, I just, like, I think he's going to be a really good player for them. I think it was a pretty good addition. Um, but it's going to be a very, very nice compliment um, to Chris Rodriguez whenever Rodriguez gets back. So he was one for me leaving the practice. I was really, you know, high on him. I don't know if, like, he's going to be. If he's necessarily the guy, right? It's third and two, we gotta we gotta get three yards right here. Let's try to move a pile with him. I don't think he's a pile mover per se, but I think he can really be a good kind of second hit back. And then that can maybe that saves you for McClain where you can maybe just use him in pretty much third down situations um, where he's really gonna be valuable. And you can use like we saw some; they can do some split back stuff. But when you get in that two back personnel, you can use McLean as kind of an additional slot receiver or move him around. Um, so then he didn't have to take that wear and tear as a runner either. So I, I think he was a really big development there. I think you, you look at the start, Rodriguez, Jefferson, McClain, there's a lot there that they can yeah, do.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to like. And I, I, I like that Will Levis said you know he's got some Mighty Mouse energy to him, kind of mm-hmm. like Doug Martin, where he is – He's built well. He's low to the ground. That pad level, it's going to be hard to get underneath those shoulder pad he play, like patient. He's got patience, plays with vision, knows when mm-hmm. to burst, knows when the stick is.
3: nose in there. Just He's a super senior. He's played a lot of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's really going to help them, especially early if Chris has to miss time.
0: But to Chris, Chris Rodriguez, that boy's good. He's still really I mean, good. He's in great shape right now. Yeah, uh, there, was, there was one wide zone play it it was the best I've seen him ever read yeah, a and it, inside right yeah yeah where he he was he was stretching out wide cut it up knife right through the defense and then it into the boundary he hit it
3: he hit it just like you're supposed to hit it um solid but Got the play of the day out. though
0: look it it wasn't him running the football it was him catching the football this was a play we saw UK run a couple of times last year and here it the is real route to the running back it was executed to perfection will Levis made. I mean, he dropped it right in the bucket. It was good coverage, too, about Trevin Wallace on the defense. He was all over Chris, like white on rice. Still, Mm -hmm. the one-handed catch. I mean, that's just that's beautiful. Yeah, I think I was standing by
3: you and Jack and Drew, and as soon as that ball was, I was like, great ball. Um, Because it was man coverage. He threw it. uh, He just dropped it in there. It was over the back shoulder. It was either going to be a catch or an incomplete pass. So he gave his running back or his receiver a chance to catch it, and Chris really flashed him. Oh, because um, we saw him do some stuff um, catching the ball last year, but it was more kind of low mm-hmm. red zone, kind of sneak them out. Right. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be an added element. I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, especially like what Tom McClain we just talked about. He's going to be a very yeah. valuable asset there, and I think Ramon Jefferson could do some stuff with that too. I um, mean, you talk about hitting the checkdowns in intermediate passing game. Um, that's what Levis really kind of needs to get good at. It's just giving them the ball, making teams come up and defend that, right? Yeah. And then when they have to come up and defend that, that's when you're going to get some advantageous situations um, on the back end trying to hit the vertical shot place. But I think but that's going to check down with the backs and the tight end. I think kind of in that that intermediate window could be a big part of this offense.
0: As much as we've talked about the offense, the defense did shine, as um, particularly the back the back half of it. Now I will say I did really like what I saw from the defensive line. They they look they look like they got in, in great shape going into yeah. this fall camp between um you know ox and Just, justin rogers was light on his feet those guys look good but the stars of the show are that that linebacker crew and a lot of new gain confidence from the Kentucky secondary uh particularly Carrington Valentine. Uh he you know we we've touched on him quite a bit uh throughout this preseason but that dude he he has some dog in him He's yeah. got some dog in him. And I worried a little bit about his confidence later in the year. But look at the chirping he was doing, the back and forth, the physicality of which he was playing, the way he was high-pointing footballs and really challenging receivers. But uh, I, I really liked what Carrington right. brought to the table during open practice. Yeah, you really yeah. wanted to see that um, from the junior out
3: of Cincinnati Muller. That's what you wanted from a cornerback, right? If you hear that chirping, that, that was a good sign to me. and. Mm-hmm. That he looked like one of the better players on the defense. Nick, I think, yeah. was promising going into this year. Um, talk about offense and tackle. You just need one of these cornerbacks to hit, and then you've recruit, You've got so many other bodies. You you should be able to find another one, kind of patch to patch it together. Carrington's good. It's going to allow them to kind of figure out everything else, and so they don't have to worry about that. So it mm-hmm. was good to see him play well, make some competitive plays, uh, make some plays on the football, which is something we didn't see last year. Um, and play with that kind of supreme confidence, I think, was a good sign uh, from
0: number 14. And that's what you need from your cornerbacks. And I actually uh, – the other guys, I thought I saw a good amount of swagger too. Uh, and Drew Phillips look good, looked like he belonged. Drew, Drew Phillips looks like he took a step up. He was playing with a lot of intensity. He's real low to the ground. Uh, Keedron Smith, there was some chirping, yeah. but it was at him from the head coach. Mark wasn't – Stoops wasn't too happy. Yeah. <laughs> at him using a little too much hands in one of the periods that was that was entertaining for the folks that gather there a few hundred people that showed up for fan day but really i think that the story that gets glossed over a lot because we've talked about him a lot it's just the linebackers like i I, you can't stress just how how big of a deal it is to have dudes who have been there for so long that can anticipate i mean deandre square looks fast because he just knows what's going to happen before it happens same with jacques jones i mean and then to have Jordan Wright back healthy. He, he it's 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 almost like they can't get their hands on people because yeah. they're just so good at knowing where this ball is getting ready to go. I think um, Quest Jones.
3: I think when you kind of look back at the season, he kind of did get worn down. He did not have the same pop that he had in September. You go back to September and he was making a lot of plays. I mean, the Missouri and Florida game, he made some great plays, and I think you saw some of that burst. Um, he blew some stuff up there as kind of a some simulated pressure or creeper packages they were showing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they they knew what the offense was running him a square. Uh, but you kind of know what you're getting from them. But the, I thought De'Eric Jackson just looked awesome. Yeah, uh, Like if he's making plays and pass coverage, <laughs> I, I mean, like this kid has got draft right. potential then, right? Like he's got a chance to be an all-SEC player if he can drop into zone coverage and make plays.
0: He had a pick six to end uh, the practice on Saturday with a bang, um, and you know, Jacques Jones joked that like, "Hey, we, we need to catch more balls. We're dropping too many picks." But like, it's a, it's a good problem right. to have. They, they 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 were very anticipatory in that practice on Saturday.
3: Yeah, you know, and just Jackson. I mean, we know he's gonna he's gonna split wood when it comes to hit somebody,
0: <laughs>
3: and we know he can fit the run, and we know like he's got a level of kind of. Quick strike, heavy hands to him. But the the, the stuff we saw from Eric in coverage was just really, yeah. really good. I, I mean, and then you got Trevin. Obviously, we know the athlete he is. He's still learning oh. to play. But you know, like, he's going to be a playmaker for you. He's
1: getting there. There's just a
3: lot to like about linebacker. And then, like, you know, Weaver and Wright on the end. Really, J.J. Weaver in pass coverage is just an, a, a real big weapon. Because he's so long, he's seen everything, and he's been a proven playmaker. Um, when the ball is there, he makes the plays. And so you add him and Weaver and kind of the, the defensive line depth. I really like what I saw from Josiah Hayes, Nick. Yeah, Deion Walker was kind of the talk of the camp. But uh, Hayes looked really, really good. Um, Rodgers was running with the ones. And, I mean, they're the co-starters, right? But, like, I really thought – I really liked what I saw from Hayes. Um, really kind of was doing a good job – splitting double teams, holding his own against the run. I think, like, he's a guy I, I, I walked away feeling pretty good about. Um and you add – and then I thought Trayvon Ripko looked pretty good. Uh, Ox was Ox. Yeah, so, that defensive yeah. line, I think there's a lot to be excited about there. And then you that front seven and in the secondary, you know, I think they just, they just got – they got the bodies now where you, you have to trust that they're going to figure something out. And so you should – I think just one day but feel, like, solid good Mm -hmm.
0: about the defense yeah and even um with the experience though there's still quite a few newcomers that popped that really popped you mentioned one of them right off the top um because it's it's hard not to notice him number 51 Dion walker he is a behemoth of a human he is a massive man and man he moves like somebody not his size Dion Walker, uh, th- that's one of those, like it were, just nose guard and interior defensive line in general. That used to be a position that was really tough for Kentucky to recruit, and they've had some huge recruiting wins, really stacking up some talented dudes in the middle of that defensive line. When coaches talk about like SEC different, different on the line of scrimmage, when
3: Steve Sarkeesian goes to Texas and he's like, line of scrimmage, we've got to change. We've got to get bigger. we got to get big bodies. They're talking about Deion Walker. They're talking about those types of players. I mean, Kentucky's been able to recruit them at the nose position, and that's um, that starts their defense, just being able to stunt or just hold back offensive linemen, push them back and make plays and in, in the run game just have big bodies that are just hard to move, hard to uproot out of there, and that's him. And he has the look of a guy who can play right now, Nick. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he can play, and they could probably reserve his red shirt. They've got four games to use this guy, yep. and they got two guys that knows ahead of him. And so, if they stay healthy, they're going to be able to preserve his red shirt, and they're going to be able to use him at key parts of the schedule when some of those when those other guys need need a breather.
0: Well, and, and as we've seen the last two years, Quinn Bohanna, Marquand McCall, they all had to miss about a month of the season, if, if not, you know, a little bit more. Yep. They so- are do
3: some injury luck on that defensive line. There's no denying that they have had a lot of bad injury luck there lately i mean phil hoskins gets injured in a
1: in warmups. Right yeah.
3: you lose Mohanna for a big part of that 2020 schedule last year you lose all, all three starters missed a game a full game at least um and, and then mccall and ox miss multiple and so like they they do some injury luck there and they have the depth so if they get that injury luck with that depth like you can really keep that like keep the unit fresh all season and then let them hunt in november like that that's the blueprint keep them fresh Rotate bodies, and then that's when they can really make a splash. Is when late October, November.
0: If You're watching on KSR's YouTube page, which you should. Why not subscribe right now, right away? Um, just I can't imagine being a high schooler trying to block Dion Walker. <laughs> I'm sure, well, he had a lot of cut blocks. Yeah, uh, imagine Adam Luckett. I know you you played for the mighty, mighty X Tigers, you're used to big boy football. But even you stepping up on that offensive line probably just had to be like, Jesus Christ, what are, what am I supposed to do with this guy?
3: Big target. We get a <laughs> lot of mo- we, we create some movement on the double team there. We get in we get in under the rib cage. But yeah, I mean just a just a monster there,
0: an absolute monster. Um, but there was a couple other guys that I did not anticipate talking a lot about when we were out there Saturday. Josh Caddis. Of all people. This is a guy that was really overlooked in the recruiting class because he was a lower three-star guy. He had a nice pedigree. His dad was a uh, All-Big Ten performer, uh, captain on the team when Jim Harbaugh was at Michigan, uh, yeah. played for the Cincinnati Bengals.
3: fourth-round draft pick, I think.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, so he had the pedigree, but not a ton of recruiting hype. And we watch on film, you're like, all right, this dude's from a good program, Cincinnati Mueller. He can block. But, lucky, I don't think I've ever seen a guy who, I mean, he gets off on blocking. Like, this is his bread and yeah. butter, and he headhunts. That That SLB, like, you could see him screaming down to the line of scrimmage just ready to blow dudes the hell up. It was yeah. awesome to watch yeah. him. I think he catches him, a little slant or fade right here. But um, Josh Caddis might
3: rule. <laughs> I mean, he's 235 pounds of kick-ass. <laughs> And, like, if you're going to watch some of these tapes, he's, he crushes dudes in mo- in multiple blocks, had, has a motor, plays to the finish. net showed up. I mean, you saw, like, Meryl was dapping him up, like, they just mad because you're blocking them. <laughs> and in, uh, in multiple areas, he was crunching Whoa. linebackers. And yeah. so, like, there's going to be a role for him in this offense, especially with how Scangarello kind of wants to scheme this up with a lot of too tight and too back run game. Uh, there's going to be a role for him, and it's going to be fun to watch. Like, he could become a quiet fan favorite because he might – this might be like the first time since John Connor where Kentucky had a lead blocker that really, like, laid out some dudes. And, Learned like, this could people. be Josh Caddis. So, I'm, I'm excited to see how they potentially use him. And when Scangarello was talking about in, in tight end room, had three oh. or four pros, He was one of those was this guy right here. Like, there is value for what th- he can bring to a pro-style offense. And he's going to have a role, and watching him develop is going to be fun. And he's not a burner. I mean, he's strictly uh, your traditional kind of pro-style tight end, but mm-hmm. he, he has had value in the pass game. He can, he's can got soft hands. He has a pretty good catch radius. So, uh, I think a lot of times your recruiting class, you know, the star power gets all the attention, but yeah. usually uh, the backbone of it are what can raise the floor of it, right, is if you hit on your lower rank guys. We've seen Kentucky in the past do that, and it's really kind of helped some of their classes when you look four years down the road. Oh, that was a good class um, because they, they really drilled some evaluations there. This could be a guy here. Um, similar to Derek Jackson, maybe in that 2020 class where it comes in, it's like, oh, this guy's a contributor early, and he's starter like maybe year two or so when you really weren't expecting it.
0: Well, and I, I don't know, you know. They might try to keep, limit him to just four games this fall, but – Similar to the running backs, they just got a bunch of dudes at tight end. that can play. roll In and out, in and out. Between Justice Dingle at fullback, Jordan at tight end, Brendan Bates. I mean, Keaton Upshaw, I mean, you didn't even notice him because they just – him, Cummings. I mean, like, they can just roll guys in and out. A lot of personnel groupings. And as Stu said, they get banged up quite a bit, so it's good that they have a lot of them um, because – Scangarello is going to use him. They might not be catching every pass, but they're going to be hitting dudes down there in the run game. A lot to like about Kentucky's tight ends. Uh, you, you, you mentioned that Caddis isn't a burner. One guy that did live up to the billing, Barry on Brown, burner, bona fide burner. Uh, there, he, he's he's got I, the I, I think look at him, there might be a few times where he's going to try to do too much, you know, where it's like, all right, just I'll use band, yeah. Barry on. Uh, maybe don't bounce this out. But, like, he has the stuff. He has all the right stuff to, to catch those big plays. Um, he, he he fits the billing, the really top-shelf billing that he got as a recruit. Yeah, and he's just,
3: like, learning to play receiver, too. Once he learns, like, how to stack corners and how to sell routes and, and all that, he's going to be – I mean, he's got superstar potential. You could see it there in that practice. He just, yeah. he just moves different than the rest of the guys on the field. Um, yeah. And so, like, Kentucky, it's going to be – Make a concerted effort to scheme up touches for him in different ways. And then hopefully maybe a light comes on as a receiver where he can kind of develop um, a route tree that he can consistently get open on. But there's a lot to like about him. I think you're seeing already they're making a a pretty strong effort to get him the ball. Um, And he's going to be part of the package this year, obviously. And There's going to be a game where he he breaks something open. Uh, We saw it with Lynn Bowden a little bit as a true freshman. Um, I think you're going to see – Brown similarly, where he's just gonna, there's gonna be a moment we don't know when it's gonna hit, but he's just gonna get the ball and he's gonna make something happen. You're gonna be like, oh, so that that that's what we have here, and mm-hmm. I just look forward to that. He's gonna be a fun fun player to watch.
0: Yeah, Brown. He just he needs the reps, uh, reps, reps, reps. The more the better. I can say the same about Alex Safari. Jordan Anthony had the go route speed, but he's gonna learn how to play a receiver as well. So, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of a lot of freshmen to like. On this upcoming Kentucky football team, like it, Um we got to wrap soon. It's a little bit shorter version of eleven personnel this week. But you've been keeping tabs on what's happening across the Southeastern Conference. Uh, which team is going to stink? <laughs> uh, just four
3: things here I want to touch on. Um, okay. we we'll start. In, we'll start at Florida.
0: Where they stink? Yeah.
3: There's a bunch of depth issues here, Nick. Um, there's walk-ons on the defensive line getting serious burn in practice. There's a walk-on receiver getting serious burn at practice. Um, specifically on that defensive line, Ger- Gerbon Dexter is really like their guy, their defensive tackle. They're having to cross train him at end in other positions. Uh, me breathing between the teeth leaves, that's in case an injury happens. Um, so there's a lot of worry about that defensive front um, concerning. And corner. The, the cornerback, Jason Marshall, was a former Top 100 recruit. He's a sophomore this year. He's a legit starter. But opposite him, they have a question at that other cornerback position. Um, so there's a lot of depth concerns in Florida. And they they are someone to watch here. Like, they really need to get through this camp without an injury or a couple injuries um, because they are, they've are they got roster issues. Um, and so you get in the Utah game, two physical games in a row, I think it's going to be a lot on that team to start the season, Utah-Kentucky back-to-back. Um, mm-hmm. And then that big guy right there, number 15, he's the, he's the whole key. If yeah. he's really good, they can be good. If they, the Anthony
0: Richardson show, man.
3: If he's just okay, like five and seven feels like what it might be there in Gainesville, um, so that they they are the they are the team there. I think there's a lot of variance with them. I'm not sure if playing them in the beginning is good or bad yet. I, I don't know what what would be better where you want them, uh, but I do. I think for Kentucky, get getting a full game of tape and seeing what they are, and maybe after they get maybe a little bit banged up against Utah, it's probably a good thing um, mm-hmm. going in there to week to the swamp to week two. Um, moving on, Nick, you remember Michael Williams? Oh, I like remember. Thought, him. thought they might have a chance. Um, well, it turns out he's a badass and he's pushing for playing time at Georgia as a true freshman. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if he's a starter <laughs> when like Georgia comes to Kentucky. Um, uh, so, so just uh, blocking him is not going to be very fun over the next couple of years. So, good luck. Like Jagger Burton, it's gonna. That's probably going to be the matchup we see in the future. Those two. Um, so that could be fun to watch. But yeah, Mike Hill Williams really standing out early, uh, which is not a surprise. To top ten recruit, but. They've got it like Georgia. They've got another great D lineman. Um, Old Miss Kentucky plays this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the only takeaway here is like there's no separation really at quarterback. I mean, we'll see with their scrimmage coming up soon, uh, but there's a he- healthy rotation between Luke Altmaier, Jackson Dart. And the longer that stays the case, it feels like it's going to be Luke Altmaier will be the starter there. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see a rotation of quarterbacks. Um, so we'll see where it goes, but I'd. The closer we get, the more it feels like Luke Almard is going to be the guy there. And if you go back and watch tape last year, um, it wasn't great uh, for him at Ole Miss. No. I think he was like a, I think he was under six yards per attempt uh, in an offense where they the quarterback has to drive that. Like they got to get good quarterback play. If they don't, Lane's going to have to adjust how he how they play holistically because defensively they play like they want to score a bunch of points and they don't want to give up a bunch of big plays. So they they might have to change their style if they don't get plus quarterback play down there in Oxford. So that's going to be interesting. And like we've talked about, they've really got a four game runway there before they take on Kentucky. Um, So we really won't know a whole lot about Ole Miss until that game, but the quarterback situation is something that could fluctuate. And then finally, Tennessee is another team with depth issues, Nick. Um, I just wrote about them in our pre early scouting report series. KSR, Nick, they gave mm-hmm. up last five games against FBS opponents. Now, remember, Vanderbilt is involved in this. They gave up 40.8 points per game, 6.3 yards per play, and over 82 snaps per game they were playing. Like, the depth really hit them hard at the end of last year. And I think people kind of forget that, how bad the defense was at the end. And then you go into this season, there's still some depth issues. Like, they didn't kill it in the portal. Like you go and look at some of their portal additions, they they landed a couple of defensive backs, one from Georgia Tech, one from Ohio State, uh, but neither one of those are locks to start at the moment. They lost three draft picks, two in the secondary um, at cornerback. Kamal Hayden was an expected starter. He's he got injured second practice, and they're not really letting much out yet. But he's not back at practice yet, and um, they're moving a bunch of bodies. They moved a safety down the corner already. I believe in the spring, and that guy's maybe a potential starter as a redshirt freshman. So that's a, you know, that's a concern. And Tennessee's going to play a lot of snaps. Kentucky, when they see them, that's when that that defense will start tiring out, and thinning out a little bit. Um, so that that's that's just something to watch there, just to keep in
0: mind. Yep, uh, we will be watching closely. I've talked myself into Hendon Hooker. Already hitting a ceiling, so I'm working my way. No Kentucky football coach has ever beaten Tennessee in Knoxville and Florida in games on the same year, but I'm starting to talk myself into it. I'm starting to talk myself into it. I'm excited about this season. We're going to have a lot more coverage to come from Kentucky football fall camp, but we've got to go for right now. Uh, make sure you fill the fam of this Friday, Louisville City FC. Uh, until then, it's been a big pleasure hanging out with you and Adam Luckett today. We'll have more coverage Throughout camp, subscribe to KSR on YouTube, subscribe to Loving Personnel, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And everywhere. remember, go cats
1: and go Krogery.
0: Bonus content alert. Bonus content alert! If you didn't check us out on YouTube, here are a few takes on Jeremiah English. Jeremiah English? No. Jeremiah England's addition to Kentucky's 2023 football recruiting class. Jeremiah England is a Kentucky Wildcat. Another recruiting win for the Cats. Score one for Chris Collins. Jeremiah England from Lake Wales, Florida. Picks the cats over Florida State. Like it, it's twice in one month where Kentucky has picked up a big W over Florida State. I'm sure there are plenty of fans uh, right now from a certain generation that are kind of rubbing their eyes, like, wait, wait, wait. Kentucky is stealing defensive back prospects from Florida State. That's that's the world we're, we're living in right now. Yeah, interesting times here in college football recruiting.
3: Pretty significant recruiting win here, Nick. We were just together a couple days ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, Jeremiah Anglin's committing Saturday. It's probably going to be Florida State. (laughs) And then less than 12 hours later, I think we kind of got whiffed that, hey, Kentucky's a player here. We'll keep an eye out for that. And, yeah, they go into Lake Wales, um, Greater Lakeland. It's a pretty fertile recruiting area, right? Um and Jeremiah Anglin is a big get top five hundred prospect. You look at his on three ranking. um mm-hmm. just our on three recruiting rankings. they're pretty high on him. Um, our, 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 our guys um, they who are grinding tape. Um so you turn on you flip on the tape and there's a lot to like here. I think with this guy, he's got uh, multi-positional versatility. Um, he just went to a national combine in San Antonio, I believe in January, won defensive MVP honors. He's got pedigree. Um, Derwin James is his first cousin. Um, anybody who's watched the Chargers at all know who Der- knows who Derwin James is. Uh, who went to Florida State, and so Kentucky beats out the Seminoles here um, for a guy that I think uh, can really fit what they want to do as a prospect. Nick, I think he compares very similarly to Kobe Albert from last year's cycle. It's kind of a, a two-way player. Um, is a generator with a ball in his hands. Has. Shows some really good ball skills as a receiver, um, but that translates directly to the other side of the field. multi-positional player can really cover, has a lot of range in the back end, and I think he kind of fits what Kentucky wants. Is kind of they, they really have two safeties there. They've got kind of a free safety. What you used a corker play last year is more of kind of a downhill run support player that does some coverage things, but then they want a, a deeper safety, like a deep post safety who do, who's asked to do more in coverage. I think Anglin and really Albert kind of fill the ladder. So um, that's back-to-back cycles. I think you're getting two really quality players there at that safety position, and there's a lot to get excited
0: about, I think, with Jeremiah Anglin. As you saw there, on three ranked him as the number 230 player overall in the country, a top 25 safety in America because a a lot of it's because of those traits. You know, he's only six foot, but he's got a six-foot-three wingspan, uh, Mark Stoops said at UK football media day, they really like his length and they like these versatile players. Um, th- there's something too when you when you watch his tape, like we've got pulled up now, the the instincts you, you can kind of see it where he he's reading the quarterback's eyes. He can turn his hips, open up, and make a play on the ball. Um, it, it, it's impressive. It's impressive. Not only to line up, he lines up at safety. He lines up at cornerback. Um, he's a standout on the offense. Uh, had three touchdown receptions last year. He returned a punt for a score. Got a couple of pick sixes, uh, 83 tackles. Jeremiah Englund, uh can do a lot on the football field for the Wildcats. Yeah, the athletic traits are there. they at that combine. He had some really good athletic testing
3: scores. 32-inch vertical. Mm-hmm. And you see just the production. Um, you see him in zone coverage, reading the quarterback's eyes, making plays on the ball. You see him in man coverage, making plays on the ball, and then you see really the ball skills more on offense at this level. That, that catch right there yeah. um, just went up and the guy. Right here there's a go route. He goes and makes a great play on an underthrown ball, contested catch, um, and that's going to show up there at the next level as a safety um, making plays. Um, just a really good athlete, and I think there's a lot to be excited with him, and it kind of continues – this secondary flip we're seeing. Recently, we saw them kind of flip the room at receiver. They're in the process, I think, of flipping uh, the room in the secondary. Chris Collins gets the second big recruiting win in the same week. Yeah. Uh, but this time, it's going to be a guy that's playing in his secondary. So I think there's a lot to get excited about here uh, with Jeremiah England, and it continues um, some, men- some momentum. Kentucky's starting to build on the defensive side of the ball, reeling in some really intriguing prospects
0: here. Yeah. And uh, Avery Stewart was the other guy that Florida state really wanted. And up until about two or three days before, I think they thought they were going to get same thing here with Jeremiah England, but the only difference England is from their backyard. Kentucky is getting Florida state guys from the state of Florida, huge, huge recruiting win for the cats. They keep that momentum roll and now have 15 commitments, uh, in the 2023 recruiting class that's ranked right around number 30 overall Mm -hmm. and and lucky they might not be done adding talented defensive backs uh in this recruiting class
3: yeah well first off that average star rating gets them to about 86.9 um that's trending to be a top 31 to 35 class um so but from where kentucky was they've closed a lot of ground now they still have some some room to make up um but they're they're in a Solid spot now. I believe this is five top 500 recruits in the class. England joins Avery Stewart, Shamar Porter, Grant Godfrey, Anthony Brown as a top 500 recruit there for Kentucky. Um, and that's typically right around their average of what they've been under Mark Stoops. Usually they pull in about five, six, seven. What made the 2020 and 22 classes so good was they had 10 to 11 to 12 top 500 prospects. Um, so that they're seeing if they can get some momentum here late. Um, but yeah, then you kind of dig in deeper. There's another guy here, Nick, in Florida, um, that mm-hmm. they could that they could grab, Kenton Kirkland. It's kind of another corner safety tweener. Um, really good length. Also has a good pedigree out of Jacksonville Reigns. He's a guy that Kentucky's surging for, and the momentum's going opposite Florida State. It seems like at the moment, and um, Mike Norvell. We've seen recruitments that they've seen, seemingly had one go the other direction. Travis Hunter was obviously the big one that, mm-hmm. that caused the meltdown. And now you've seen Kentucky really closing strong on some of these prospects that we that we all thought Avery Stewart, Jeremiah Anglin, Kent Kirkland were all Florida State leans heading to the decision, and Kentucky's made some moves late um, to record some big recruiting wins, I think, I think, for them. And it's interesting here, Nick, um, with Stewart, with Anglin, and with Kirkland, I don't think they're like 100% true corner prospects or they're kind of these little tweeners, but I think that's what um, they're looking for. They, they want guys that, that are, have this versatility, and we talked about, Mark Stoops talked yesterday about how we really need to get more length and we need the guys that can cover in man coverage. We don't need kind of um, these guys that are more linebacker types. We need guys that can cover people. Um, And that's what they're looking for, and I think that's what they're finding. And they're getting back into Florida. That's something they really haven't done. Um, Now Chris Collins and Mike Stoops have ties to the area, and they're digging in.
0: Man, they keep racking up recruiting wins. We said they needed to make up some ground in July. It's not July anymore, but they're still building and creating a great 2023 recruiting class. Jeremiah Anglin, officially a Kentucky Wildcat.